1: Welcome to the Project Life Mastery Podcast, where it's all about inspiring change and transforming lives. And here's your host. He's an Amazon best-selling author, six-figure blogger, internet marketer, and one of the top life coaches in the world, Stefan Palerinos. Hey everyone, this is Stefan from ProjectLifeMastery.com, and today I'm excited to be interviewing a good friend of mine by the name of Matt Gallant. Now, Matt is a very successful internet marketer and internet entrepreneur. He's sold over $10 million worth of products and services online and has built over 39 profitable websites in various markets and sectors online. Uh, Matt is most known amongst his friends as the Mad Marketing Scientist because he's always testing and he's always optimizing things in his business. So I'm excited to have this chance to be able to interview Matt. I've got him right now on Skype. And we're gonna jump into the topic of productivity because Matt recently put together a brand new blog called mattgalant.tv. And he's got a free PDF, a free resource on how to 3x your productivity and how to work the 20 hour work week. Um, so, Matt's really dived deep into productivity, how to optimize yourself, your life, your business. And so, we're gonna talk a lot about productivity uh, in this interview, but a little bit about how to build an online business and really scale up your online business. So, Matt, I'm so excited to have this chance to be able to talk to you. Thank you for taking the time today.
2: Thanks, man. It's great to have you. you know, it's, uh, it's been amazing to see you flourish with what you're doing, and I'm excited to talk to your audience because I think you've attracted some really powerful people.
1: Awesome, man. Well, before we get into some of the tips and strategies that you have for increasing your productivity, uh, do you mind telling people a little bit about yourself and your story about how you got into business and online marketing?
2: Sure. So I started, uh, I was going to university studying kinesiology and I saw a poster on the wall that said, make $10,000 this summer. Um, That was pretty appealing. So I applied and it was an application for College Pro Painters. So College Pro Painters is a franchise system and actually, that company that owns College for Painters has several different franchises, very, very successful company. And I got the gig, and then they proceeded to train me into so many different aspects from cold calling to phone to selling to how to do a painting estimate, which I'd never painted in my life, how to hire people, on and on and on. So it was really a crash course in business. I hated the painting business, but it was still awesome. So I did that for a couple years. Then I became a personal trainer and did that for a while. But along the way, I became – there was a light bulb in the, in my head that went off one night that marketing is the key. It was just like you know that classic eureka moment that you see in the cartoons. And I became obsessed with marketing ever since that point because I just realized if you're good at marketing, you can generate revenue. You can make sales. So in terms of starting a business, it's absolutely in my opinion, the number one skill that anybody can learn. So that started my journey to copywriting. You know, I hired John Carlson, hired Gary Hobart to mentor me. Dan Kennedy uh, went to Gary Benzivega's, on and on and on. And then um, about 12 years ago, I started becoming successful online. So sold a skincare product, then created a publishing company in the guitar space, a supplement company. And uh, too many other niches and things to, to go into, but you know, I just keep trying to evolve as an entrepreneur, even today. So things have changed. What I do change, how I think change, changes. But uh, it's fun, man. I just I just love all aspects of business. To me, it's it's just a blast.
1: That's awesome, and it's it's really impressive uh, what you've built online, the online empire uh, that you've built, but. You're most known, I guess, because you're a master at data, optimizing, testing things. Why, why has that attracted you um, the most to you know, that side of business?
2: Well, you know, people make the mistake of thinking of optimization as an analytical process. To me, it's a creative process. And, and I'm a creative guy. You know, I'm about 50-50, 50 right brain, 50 left brain. And I love the creative side of it. That's what excites me. So in other words, I'm going to create two different ideas, throw them in the octagon, throw them in the arena, and see which one prevails. So I love experiments more than anything else in my life. And that's why it attracted me since day one. I mean, I remember John Reese talking about split testing, and that was another light bulb moment. I'm like, yeah, it makes sense. I can just keep testing, optimizing, improving the results. And, uh, you know, it's been probably the thing I've done the most and it's probably been my number one habit for being successful online. Because a a lot of projects that I did wouldn't have worked had I just stopped early or a lot of projects made me, you know, 10 times more money because I optimized. So that obviously keeps fueling the passion for it.
1: (laughs) Awesome. I think the core essence is the mindset of improvement. You're always – finding ways to improve things, whether it's an ad, a sales page, a product, uh, something in your life, whether it's a routine, a habit. Um, is that would you, what you, you would say it really comes down to? Is just an obsession just to improve things and make it better and better? Whereas a lot of people, they're just content with just putting up one ad or putting up one product or version of a, a website.
2: 100%. It's a 100% an obsession with constant improvement. I mean, I'm sure you're familiar with the word kazan, which is... Japanese word for gradual improvements and that's what my whole life is about on every level whether it's it's financial business physical emotional spiritual uh, I know there's no ceiling and I love the fact that I can continue to grow growth for me is a massive payoff like I get there's nothing that jacks me up more than growing more than improving there's probably some massive dopamine release in my brain and uh, it just it just fuels the, the passion for it.
1: So let's jump into productivity. Um, okay. What are some of the top tips that you have to increase your productivity?
2: First of all, productivity is, is one of those things that never stops. Like there's, there's no ceiling on, on that. You can always be more productive. And if I look at how much I've improved and how much I've changed since I started business today, it, um, it's several thousand percent. And I know that. Maybe ten years from now I'll improve even more so it's never ending uh, so I'm going to cover some base some big broad principles and then we can dive into some deeper stuff if you want. The first one is to prioritize and there's a lot of things to prioritize one is are you in the right market you know are you in the right industry like and I let's use you as an example I remember just a few years ago you were here and you were you know, selling ebooks you weren't that excited about. And then I look at you now where you're doing something that's aligned with your with your essence, it's aligned with who you are, and look at the difference in success. So that's a great example of are you prioritizing the right industry? You know, and, and you gotta obviously choose things you're excited about, choose things you're passionate about. So that's the first priority. Second, and this this leads into effectiveness. And and prioritization also involves, are you prioritizing the right projects? Are you prioritizing the right tasks? Are you prioritizing the right money moves, which we can get into? Then there's effectiveness. And I want to differentiate effectiveness and efficiency. It's far more important to be effective than it is to be efficient. So effective means you're in the right industry. You're working on the right projects. You're working on the right money moves. Like you're doing the right things. And then being efficient means you're really good at those things. You're really fast. So you, But efficiency is one of the biggest things you got to always be aware of because it's easy to waste your time. Then effic- efficiency is critical too. You know, learning to be fast. And it's funny – uh, a mutual friend of ours was commenting that he was seeing you work on the computer, and he says the same thing when he sees me at work. And he just comments how he he can barely follow what I'm doing, right? And that's just because I'm am very efficient, and I know all the shortcuts, and you know all the shortcuts. So that's important too. That 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 helps us obviously get more out of every minute. Then you get into some higher level things like team building. That becomes critical because. At the end of the day, there's only one you. There's only one me. So our ability to replicate ourselves and replicate our money moves, replicate our task, is really where the ceiling comes into play. You know, if you had, imagine if you had 25 of your 25 Stephans out there doing what you're doing today, you'd probably be making 25 times more money. So that's that's where team building comes in. And then the biggest leverage point in productivity is what I call focused ferocity. And you have to have a lot of other things in play, but once you know what your money move is, and you're doing the right thing, that's the most important thing, you're doing the right thing, then it becomes about intensity. And I'll give you a simple example that's very black and white, which is writing. So I started writing the blog, and, and for my blog in January, I was writing about 500 words an hour. I wasn't that efficient. I mean, now I'm at about 1,200 words. So if, you, if I look at that, that's you know, more than double. And I could probably get up to 1,500, 2,000 words an hour by continuing to try to push myself, continuing to get more efficient, continuing to build that skill. But where else could I triple my time like that? You know what I mean? So this is where the 20-hour work week comes in because if you can be three times more effective doing the right things, you're going to be more productive than than most people are in 40, 50 hours of doing the wrong things at a normal intensity. All the people that I'm friends with that are worth eight figures, nine figures, they're all intense people. You know, they're intense with their conversations. They can be polite. They can be pleasant. doesn't mean you're not pleasant or polite, but they have an intensity about them that uh, you won't find in a lot of other people. And then, and then last but not least is you have to recover because when you're, when you're really pushing your brain and you're, you're practicing focused ferocity, you're going to get tired. And there's I'm not just talking about being tired after an hour. There's a cumulative tiredness too, just like if you train really hard for a competition like you have. Um, there's a tiredness after three months of doing that that's very different than just one workout. So for an example... I've really pushed myself for three months straight, the first three months. And then last week and this week, I'm recovering and relaxing a lot more and getting ready for the next big wave. So it's very different than, I'm not taking vacations for, because I don't like what I do. I take vacations and breaks and recover so to prepare me for another wave of intensity. Just like we do with training, you got to balance intensity with recovery. So that's the big picture, and obviously, there's a lot of little things that come into all of those.
1: Yeah, for sure. Let's talk a little bit about the prioritization. I, I find that valuable. Do you find, I mean, you're running multiple businesses. you got a lot of different projects going on. Um, how do you prioritize your time? Have you, Do you try to simplify things as much as possible to your primary skill sets? Because, I mean, you're extremely skilled at copywriting, ad copy, creating systems, and what one thing I found with myself is that at a certain point, I just kind of gave up trying to be a master at everything. I'd much rather focused on just being going really, really deep on a few core skill sets and get you know, really, really skilled at that and try to simplify things and just prioritize my time doing that. And then have other people you know, try to do everything else for me. Is that kind of the same way that you operate your businesses or how do you prioritize your time?
2: Well, let's talk about, and I want to talk about this because I think most people listening are probably uh, in this level, and that's it. Let's say you're a one or two or three person team because it changes. My answer is going to change quite a bit, and we can get into that, but let's go back to the beginning. So if I'm alone or maybe I got a tech guy and a webmaster or even I have a business partner, it really becomes about focusing on one project at a time and getting it done you got to drive it to completion. So just like maybe when you film a product, you get laser beam, right? There's nothing else going on. You're going to block off a couple of days, bang that out. So that's, that's key. You know, you have to drive on one project until it's out there because until it's out there, it's it's just grabbing ram it's not making you money it's costing you money it's costing you mental energy and that's a big concept i want to highlight is you have to protect your mental energy you only have so much ram and i'm very very protective about my ram like there's so many things i do in my life to protect my ram and we can get into that but so picking the right project is the first part of prioritization then absolutely i when i was a 2 3 person team i had four things that i did these were my four money moves and money moves is the things that if you only did that your business would continue to make more money everything else you shouldn't touch you know you should outsource hire get get you know customer support hire a manager hire do whatever it takes to get all that stuff off your plate and that's a great example of protecting my ram because all that stuff drains me. And I don't want to be drained, right? I want to be fresh. I want to be powerful. So my money moves back in the day was work on AdWords, you know, maybe about an hour a day because we, we were spending, uh, you know, well to the six figures a month on AdWords. So there was a lot of leverage there. Number two, uh, create emails because if, you know, our list was at our peak, 1.5 million leads. So, that, <laughs> there's a lot of leverage in creating emails, then writing copy, and split testing. So those were the four things that I did for to grow and launch the businesses. And it, those are these are four great money moves that anybody can focus on. And it depends on who you are. Like in your case, maybe it's being in video is your money move because you, you, you're building your audience. You're, you're getting more people. You're getting more leads. So your money moves will change, and that's important too. Like my money moves change probably every six months. And this is also where the team comes in. Like I don't write as much copy as I used to. Now, here's a productivity strategy. So 10, 90, 10. So as you build things out, I'll be involved in the first 10%. Then whoever's going to execute is going to run with it for 80% of it. And then I'm gonna come in at the last 10. So it's 1080 10, sorry. So in the last 10%, I'm gonna come in and and really rip it apart and optimize and improve it. So you know I'm not I'm not the one doing the bulk of it. Sometimes I still do. And that's a, that's an important thing. And I'll give you a great example that's that's right here right now. So in one of my businesses, we're gonna completely redo the funnel. You know, we're gonna we're we're doing a completely new strategy and i feel that it's so critical that i'm going to do it myself. so it depends which business is invo- is i'm talking about and i give another specific example in the publishing business. i don't write copy there anymore because it's not as critical. like whether i write the copy or not on the launch it's going to be maybe 10 20% difference in revenue cuz we have the formula down so much and i and i've got a guy that i've trained very well. but with this new funnel, it's, 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 it, it can be a $10 million funnel if I do it correctly. So I'm not going to outsource that. And that, that's an example of prioritizing. I'm prioritizing that on top of my list, and I'm going to do it myself. So you know, there's no black and white answers on prioritization, but you know, I'm going to take that, and I'm going to focus on that, and that's going to be my main thing until it's done. And then I'll do something else after. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's the, the, the quick and dirty of the prioritization.
1: The RAM, I, I think the same way. And, I mean, it, it's not even, even whether you can do it because, you know, you can be more than capable of doing all these things. But it's more so the mental energy that that task can take up in your head and consume your, your mental thought process And I remember Mark Zuckerberg and people like that, they wear the exact same clothes every single day just to prevent decision fatigue because the more decisions you have to make, the more things you have to occupy your mind with, it it drains you. Um, And I I found for myself and my business, there's just these little things that I I could easily do myself, but I just have accepted that I'm just going to have someone else do them for me because I want to make sure that my mind is as sharp and focused as possible. So that's really cool. Um, I want to ask you about planning and scheduling. Do you typically have a, a method of planning out your your month, your week, your day? How do you go about that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I've I've tried a lot of different things. I'm always kind of experimenting to see what works. And uh, what I find works is a combination of rigid and flexible. So I've tried like scheduling my entire week, all pretty much every hour. And that mentally for me was, was just constricting and mentally for me it was draining. So now about, it's about 50-50. So 50% of my time is scheduled because I have uh, meetings with the teams and I also have some time for my money moves. But then the other 50% is open for meeting with people, talking with people on Skype because I think networking is a great money move. And uh, just having some time to to just do whatever I feel like in the moment. So it's about 50-50. But one of the things that I've done that's evolved is I have, I used to schedule meetings like any day of the week. Now I have two days a week where I have all my meetings. So that allows me to just get in that mode, that zone, meet with people. And then on the other days, it's more about creating. It's more about... Either writing or filming or whatever it is that I'm working on as far as a project. So that was a good, that was a powerful upgrade for me that I just did maybe six months ago.
1: Yeah, and it's it's tough to restrict yourself when you're when you're doing uh, something in your business that requires creativity and flow. Because you know, if only if only set an hour for myself to record a video, then that's gonna, you know, that's not gonna allow me to really take advantage of that flow state, because sometimes you might be doing something, you might be on fire, you might be in that flow, and you just want to prolong that as much as possible, because what you're doing is so high leverage and and so important. Um, do you do you tend to, you know, each each day, maybe like plan the day before or the day in the morning, and maybe just, okay, here's the highest priority things I'm going to do. Do you try to focus on the most important thing first thing in the morning? Um, you know, how do you go about that?
2: Yeah, I mean, right now, uh, because blogging is a new thing and writing is a relative new thing or writing this type of content is a new thing, that's the first thing that I do every day. Um, I write for between an hour, two hours. So that's a lot of mental energy. And I'm getting in the habit of that this month. I'll give you another example that I'm going to do this month. Now, that's become more or less a habit okay? because I've been doing it for about uh, three months. So the next thing I'm going to do is YouTube. So I'm going to launch a YouTube channel, and that's going to be one of the first things I do every morning, and I'm going to make sure I get in the habit and in the groove of that. So, you know, (laughs) this is a great conversation. That's batching versus doing it daily. Now, batching is more efficient. So batching means, okay, I'm going to take an entire day and film. But one of the things I learned from Elliot Hulse, who's one of my partners in, in some projects, is that when you're just when you're starting, don't batch. You know, get in the daily habit. Like that's what he did to build himself up. And that's what I'm gonna do. So because I think it's like learning a language. One of the key things when learning a new language is you have to practice daily because that neural net that you're building really shrinks even with one day of rest. So for that reason, I'm gonna be using a a habit-building strategy versus a batching strategy. Now, once it's a habit, I'll probably start batching at that point. But I really want to build the skill of being on camera. So for that reason, I'm going to be doing it uh, early in the morning and most likely daily.
1: Awesome. Um, Another thing I want to ask is, do you use any apps or software, anything like that, to help be productive?
2: I just use uh, I have Busy Cal on the Mac. Uh, I'll use Google Calendar, so n- nothing fancy. Um, in my teams, this is, this is something funny, but in my teams we use different tools like Red Booth, um, which is which is a good project management. But I don't go in there. Okay, that's an example of protecting my RAM. I don't I don't manage projects. I don't want to manage people. I have partners and project managers and operation managers. So for me to even go in there and take a look is a massive mental drain. So, so I don't go in there. You know, I know what I'm responsible for and I take care of it, but I don't want to be going in there and, and wasting my RAM, wasting that mental energy. So we do use tools as a team and we like Redbooth, but I am i don't go there.
1: And I've found a key that that's a key thing is really knowing what the distractions are because the distractions are what can kill you, right? Like, yeah. even for me, like if I, you know, if I'm in the middle of something and I go on Facebook or I go into email, or whatever, I, I just know that that's going to take me down a dark path. And before you know it, like you you think you're going to Facebook or emails to check something for five minutes, but it ends up, you know, you end up doing all these different things and it just totally sidetracks you from what you're focused on at the time. Do you do anything like that to help eliminate distractions? Uh,
2: Yeah, well, this is a great segue into focus. So focus, people look at focus only from one side of it. So focus has two sides. The first side is eliminating distractions. And if you think about it, let's say you had zero distractions, external or internal, it's really easy to focus at that point. Because focusing... Is just really about you know putting your concentration on that one thing or whatever you're doing, but if you're fighting distractions, whether again it's external or internal, and they're they're both real, then it becomes much more of a battle. So the first thing that I like to teach people when it comes to focus is just eliminate the distractions. And one of the biggest ones is obviously what you just mentioned, social media. Um, you know, put your phone on airplane mode. There's a great software called Rescue Time, which I like using. And in Rescue Time, they have a feature called Focus Time. I hit that and basically it just shuts down all the websites that are distracting. I can't easily hit them. Um, There's even more hardcore software that just disconnects your internet for 60, 90 minutes. So that's that's what I fir- I do at first, like if I'm going to write all right let's eliminate all the distractions let's sh- let's let's make it hard for me to go there you know because again I don't want to be fighting human nature you know, like I'm as addicted to social media and Facebook as anyone else is, so I do make sure that I shut down all those easy outs and uh, the other big thing that I do is headphones headphones with music, even though it's it's as much as, for some reason, having the headphones te- seem to help me go more internal, especially if I'm writing. And um, even the choice of music is a big deal. Like, I don't want any music with any lyrics. Lyrics and words are distracting, in my opinion. So I usually listen to soundtracks, movie soundtracks, because they're emotional, but they don't distract me. They don't distract my, my brain. They'll give me that... that Emotional feeling. Uh, so, choosing the right music, I think, is a big deal if you're going to listen to music. Um, so, those are the, some of the things that I do for, for focus, for, dis- for eliminating distractions.
1: Yeah, what about your environment? Um, you know, I've been to your place there in Panama City, beautiful penthouse. Uh, you know, in your office, you've got a big whiteboard. Do you find, you know, there's certain things like that, having the whiteboard or anything in your environment that helps you focus?
2: Well, one of the things that I'm always battling with, in my dream is to, to have a zen environment, which it's not, right? <laughs> it's relatively uh, messy, but I'm trying to get there. So even my whiteboard right now is pretty much pretty much clean. Um, so I, you know, it is a proven fact that messiness is a mental distractor. Right. You know, it, ha- it steals some of that mental energy. So I'm working on you know buying little things like uh, like like this thing. Which is to put my headphones on, right? Right. So it just helps my environment become more zen, and uh, same thing with papers or whiteboards. So no, I think I think the cleaner, the less stuff you can have, the better. But my nature is to be creative and to clutter, so yeah, um, it's a constant battle.
1: <laughs> totally, it's the whole mad scientist thing, right? Sometimes the yeah. scientists in the lab, everything's a mess. But that's Absolutely. yeah. Um, What about people, I know a lot of people that are watching this, they're people that have a job, right? They got their nine to five and they want to start an online business, you know, so that they can eventually make enough money to quit their job. And I work with a lot of these people and a lot of them, they have have that challenge of just time. And what kind of advice would you have for someone like that where, you know, they've got a job that's sucking up most of their time. They only have, you know, a few hours in the evening or maybe they can do it in the morning, in the weekend, And as both you and I know, in order to get out of that, you're going to have to make a sacrifice and really work really hard to get out of that. But any advice that you have for someone that's in that situation?
2: For sure. Um, And some of my business partners were people in that situation. And then after, after it took off, they quit. So the key thing is you have to go to beast mode. Like, you know, you have to go to a place where... It's an obsession to be successful. It's an obsession to make this thing work, whatever it is that you're working on. So if you're working 40 hours a week, and, and I'll give you an example of how, like, where I was with this. So my early 20s, I was working 40 hours a week for the gym, not, not for myself. Then I would do 30 to 40 hours of personal training on top of that. So I'd start two hours before my shift and then work another four or five hours after my shift plus Saturdays. And on top of that, I was learning marketing. So after I would get home at 9, 10 o'clock, I would be watching Ted Nicholas, Gary Hobbard, Dan Kennedy, and um, doing those exercises so I could build my copywriting skills. That's what it took. So I had no TV, and that was the biggest thing. You know, now I have a TV, and it's like, you know, it's such a, it is a big distraction. There's a lot of shows I enjoy watching. But during those five, six years, there was I, I didn't have that. So you know that mental energy I had, I just put it into learning. And if, if you're not successful yet enough to have it be your full-time thing, most likely you have to spend probably an hour a day learning. And one of the big things is balancing your learning with action. And I call that you know the action learning equation. So a lot of people make the mistake, of spending 90 or 100% of their time learning. They're reading books, they're watching YouTube videos, they're buying courses, they're going to seminars, but there's no action. And the big thing to realize is that your learning will be 3X or 5X if you take action every time you learn something. So that's really been one of my keys to success is I'll go to an event or I'll watch a YouTube video or I'll buy a book, read the book, I'm going to take whatever, at least one or two or three nuggets and I'm going to apply it right away. And then it becomes my reality. Now I own that information. It's not just stuff floating around in my head and taking space. So it's really important to take a lot of action and be learning. You can't just be action, action, action if you don't know really what you're doing but at the same time, you can't be just learning, learning, learning. So you got to balance that. That's a really mm-hmm. big deal.
1: Yeah. I, you know, I was a dating coach for several years, and a, a lot of guys that get caught up just learning all the theory. But the theory is useless if you can't go out there and talk to a girl or interact with someone, right? So uh, I'd always tell people you're going to learn so much more, probably 10 times more, just going out there trying to talk to someone, socialize, than you ever will from reading about it in a book right? But it is that balance of you got to, you know, get get out there and get some results or some sort of feedback and then analyze that and improve it and and learn how you can do things better. Um, So that's awesome. Um, Now, because I'm the morning ritual guy and I've got a course on morning rituals, I'm a big fan of them. um, What kind of morning ritual do you have?
2: Yeah, that's always evolving too. So I'll tell you what I'm doing right now. So I wake up, um, you know, hit, hit the bathroom. Then I I, I have an ring, so this thing. And this is a sleep tracker. Um, I've been waiting for this thing for a long time. I, I didn't want to wear um, a wrist thing, and I didn't want to be hit with Bluetooth, so I can shut down the Bluetooth with the ring. And uh, anyways, it's awesome. So I, I wake up, look at that data. I'll usually do a HRV reading, so I'll, I'll, I'll strap the H7 button, uh, Heart strap and then use Nature Beat or, or Ben Greenfield's app and look at what my HRV is so I know if I can train hard this day or not. And then the latest thing I've been doing is uh, I bought the Wim Hof course and I'm doing the Wim Hof breathing method, which is like some really intense breathing, re, you know, oxygenate the body big time. And uh, that, and I'm doing that with the Yolanra air ionizer, so an Australian air ionizer. So you're breathing in super, super negatively charged ions. So that's going to detox your lungs and your body. So I'm doing the breathing technique with that. It's, it's powerful. And then uh, usually I'll have a, a bulletproof coffee. So that's, that's usually my, my morning ritual. And, and, I, and I always pound water. I usually have half a liter of water. That's the first thing I do. That just wakes me up. I'll have some kangen water, which you're a big fan of too. Um, man, I, I that wakes me up right away. Just pound the water, and boom, um, my brain's alive.
1: I, I know you're a health ad advocate. Um, you know you're a founder of BioOptimizers. How much do you yeah. feel health plays a role in productivity?
2: It's it really determines your ceiling. It determines your limit. You know, like you've seen Tony Robbins on stage, right? Could somebody that's not super healthy and super vital physically be able to do what he does? They'd collapse halfway through day one, right? Um, I mean, the level of energy he's outputting is is just world-class. And he treats himself like a world-class athlete. The technology he uses, the recovery technology he does, everything he does is to optimize his, his health, his performance, and his energy. And it shows. So that's, that's what's possible. And people don't realize, but thinking is a physical energy. I mean, it requires a lot. If you're really thinking hard, you know, especially if you're doing something new, it requires tremendous mental energy. I mean, whether it's being in front of the camera and you're really turning it on or you're really thinking hard and writing or you're networking, all these things require mental energy. So if you don't have the physicality to, to have that energy, you're going to struggle. Same thing with endurance. You know, and we can talk about the, the, the muscle side of focus. You know, focus is a muscle. And at, at first, if you've never focused, and most people have the attention span of below, less than a goldfish. A goldfish is nine seconds. Humans are down to eight seconds. That's a statistic, not my opinion. So at first, it's tough. Right? Because our brains, especially with all the notifications and social media, we're just used to literally splitting, or changing our attention every two seconds. You know, we're flipping and clicking and liking and going and looking at that and going back. Like, that's how our brains are, are functioning. So, focusing is the complete opposite of that. It's going to say, okay, I'm going to do one thing for 45 minutes. And at, for 45 minutes, is probably tough at first. So my suggestion is just like meditation. I mean, meditation, don't try to do 30 minutes or 20 minutes. Start with five minutes. Start with 10 minutes. And it's the same thing with focusing and having that focus ferocity. Maybe you can only keep it up for 15 minutes at first. So then you need a five-minute break and you come back and do another 15 minutes. Then you need another five-minute break. But the ability, like now I can focus for 90 minutes to two hours I wasn't able to do that even last year, so I see the the, the progress, and I think a lot of that. I mean, I, I take a lot of different supplements for mental energy, for brain power, and I think they're paying off in that regard because um, I, I just see the gains that I'm making with. And it's always our combination of of continuing to strengthen that muscle, and you, you know, I, I'll give you an example of how important it is for me. Um, I've spent. Recently, about 15 grand optimizing my sleep. I, I, I bought a custom made you know, $9,000 mattress. I could go on and on, right? <laughs> so, but that's how important to me the recovery is because I know it's the key to having more energy. And I know it's going to pay. Like, for me, that, that's a financial investment. I'm going to get that money back in the next six months or nine months or 12 months.
1: Yeah. I remember actually uh, Kobe Bryant he went to Nike to make a shoe. He wanted like a little millimeter taken off the shoe just to make it a little bit lighter. Like he was so obsessed and it it seems crazy, but it would just improve his explosiveness just like a tiny amount. But I guess that's how you you have to look at optimizing things. You're not necessarily going for this big, big change or big result, but it's just the little, the little changes here and there that add up to be the big things, Right.
2: Absolutely. You know, Einstein said that compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. And people think of that financially, but compound interest is in every area of our life. And it's working whether you're aware of it or you're not aware of it. Because there's negative compound interest too. And if you take a look at your health habits, you know, let's say you eat good, you train, you know, you you take time to recover – that is one of those things that compounds. You'll get healthier and healthier. You'll have, if I look at somebody who's doing a little bit of health habits and I look at their compounding health over 20, 30, 40, 50 years, and then you have somebody who's got bad health habits and you see what the compounding effect of that is. I mean, it's night and day, right? You just see that divide. It's almost like a boat that is two degrees to the left and another one is two degrees to the right, after a few days they're going to be quite far apart. And that's how I look at everything, you know, it, whether it's our work habits, our health habits, our productivity habits, they're all compounding. You know, one of my favorite books is The Compound Effect because it really hammers this home. So and in, in over time, over five years, 10 years, 15 years, you get the rewards of the right things, you know, the rewards of the right habits. And uh, it's it's the difference between success and failure, in my opinion.
1: Let's talk a little bit about rest. Um, you know, obviously, it's not sustainable long-term just to, you know, uh, be as productive as possible in the sense of, like, working early in the morning to late at night because eventually you need to rest. Have you, sound, have you seen a lot of benefit in just – I don't know, maybe in your evenings, like you watch TV or you just, you just do something maybe on the weekends to have fun or go out, uh, just to recharge in that way. Like, do you have certain things you do every day or on every week?
2: Absolutely. It's, it's as critical. It's another thing that determines the ceiling. Like you have to match the output, the intensity with recovery. Like you have to balance that. So, you know, and when I was talking about working 80 hours a week and studying, that was in my early 20s, and I wouldn't recommend... I mean, if you have to do that to, to get out of your job, that's great. But here's some numbers for you. The, the maximum level of productivity, like let's say somebody wanted to be the most productive they possibly can, it's between 53, 56 hours a week. After that, like people that work 70, 75 hours... Have about the same level as a guy's working, you know, 53, 54 hours. So there's no gains past that point. <laughs> and that's important. And that's a, that's a critical thing to realize, and this is this is gonna answer your question, is to maintain focus ferocity, I need to to, to put the recovery in there. Because otherwise my energy is gonna go like this. It's gonna dwindle, it's gonna dwindle, it's gonna dwindle, it's gonna dwindle. It's gonna dwindle. And I'm gonna be a hundred percent. But my output is going to be dropping, 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 dropping because I'm out of mental energy. I'm out of physical energy. So the first thing is micro-recovery. So you have to figure out what the optimal thing is for you. Maybe, you know, a lot of people like Pomodoro, which is 25 minutes on and 5 minutes off. I, you know, that's a good place to start. I did 45-15 for a long time. So 45 minutes on and 15 minutes you know walking around going rebounding you know playing the guitar just change the channel like get out of the office just take a quick walk play with your dog play with your daughter just just change the channel and then you go then you you are recovered you're recharged and you go back at it so 45 15 45 15 and then a 30 minute lunch little lunch snack break is a great strategy what i tend to do these days and again that's just a product of time is more 90 minutes on maybe 20, 25 minutes off. So I, I like just getting, because I get in the flow state, like you mentioned, which I think is a big part of productivity, and I'm, I don't want to get out, right? I don't want to get out until I start sensing the drop, and the drop usually happens after 90 minutes. So that's my, that's on the, in the day-to-day, like throughout the day, I need to take, make sure I take those micro breaks. That's critical. Then uh, absolutely in the evenings I'll usually um, learn a little bit in the evenings for maybe an hour, 90 minutes and then then I'm done so and then I spend time with my wife and that's a big part of my recharge you know spending time with her watching a show, talking, walking going to see a movie, going to a restaurant to me that's critical because I don't want to get lost in work and lose focus of the bigger picture you know work is not my life it's just part of it and then I don't work Saturdays and Sundays 95% of the time. Sometimes when there's a critical project and I, and I got to get it done, then I'll work on Saturdays. Sundays is sacred. Not from a religious standpoint, but from a recovery standpoint. And then there's the bigger recovery, which means about every three months, I feel I need 10 days off. So that means I'll start um, like on a Friday and then I'll take all the next week and the next weekend off, preferably on a trip, and I don't work, I don't answer the computer, I'm not in meetings, and that's a deeper recharge. And I love what Eben Pagan called it, and he says you get altitude. You you, you get out of the the trenches, and you're flying above your business at 30,000 feet, and you're able to see things that you just can't see when you're just in a day-to-day grind. So I often come up with my best ideas, my best visions, my best game plans, the next level of upgrades during those 10, 10 days. Even though I'm not trying, they tend to happen. So that's my big recovery program and, and, and I'm fanatical about sleep like I just mentioned. I think sleep, not just the length of sleep, the quality of sleep. So you, you got to sleep deep and this is where the aura ring comes in and gets me out of the realm of opinions and tells me... If I'm in deep sleep, how long I'm in deep sleep, if I'm waking up, it gives me a a definitive rating on the quality of it. So it's awesome.
1: So do you guys in your business plan out the projects you're working on? So, for example, you've got one big project you're working on for this month, and then you also plan, okay, after that project is done, that's when I'm going to take my 10-day trip. So you you plan out certain things like that several months in advance?
2: Yeah, we we plan – well, first we have the ultimate vision for the business. What would, what's the ultimate, right? Which is different from a goal. So that's the ultimate. Then we have a very broad three-year vision. Very broad. Then we have a very concrete one-year plan. And then we break it down into quarters, 90 days. So we'll meet for a couple of days. And there's a great book called Traction, which I recommend for everyone Um, it's really changed how we operate so everything I'm telling you came from that so we'll meet for a couple days and then really plan the next 90 days okay what's the game plan what are we going to do and prioritize and then everybody gets assigned rocks or projects for that 90 days and you agree to it and then boom that's it so there's no more projects coming in there's nothing else that's going to take your attention for the next 90 days, you know what you're going to do, and that's it. That's your game plan. So that's how we do it.
1: Cool. And by the way, actually, I found out about the book Traction from Wade, who's yeah. your business partner. Wade and I were working out, and he shows up at the gym one day, and he's like, Dude, this book is changing our business, and he was super excited about it. So I was actually reading it on the uh, airplane the other day. Uh, so really, really good book. Um, I want to ask, uh, go a little bit more advanced. Um, for people, you know, you, you mentioned before, uh, you'll, you know, you recommend people that are starting out, focus on one project. Um, obviously, once you start having more success and the position that you're in, you're able to focus on multiple businesses, multiple projects. What kind of advice do you have uh, to be able to run and operate multiple businesses?
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a big, you know, it's a, it's a very different way of operating. There's another great book called Rocket Fuel. And it's something I discovered before I read it, but then I read it, and it was just good validation. And, and the basic breakdown is there's two types of people, visionaries and integrators. And the visionaries are people that have the ideas, come up with the vision, come up with the game plan, and then the integrators get it done. So my reality is, <laughs> and you can talk to my business partners about this, you know, I have more ideas than – like I would probably need to just – to match my level of output in terms of ideas, I would probably need about 15 solid integrators. So every business that I have is – I'm partner with a good integrator. And then so – the, so they're running the day-to-day. They're – because, again, I, first of all, I hate doing that. I don't want to do it. And it's not – it's completely – you know, misalign with my nature. So they're running the day-to-day and then I come in and I do what I do best which is create ideas on how to grow the business and there's a lot of ways that I do that but and and usually like one hour or two hours of my output will create dozens and dozens or sometimes even a hundred hours of work for the team to implement. So that's one of the reasons I'm able to, to have and, and be part of multiple businesses is I you know it takes a lot of time to execute the visions, the ideas. But the key is you gotta get the right people. That's that that's life or death when it comes to this. So I'm I'm blessed that I have good partners. Now even within a business, one of the things that we're starting to do in, in our publishing business is intrapreneurs. So it's the same idea, but it's not another business. It's kind of a business within the business. So I found this guy, young guy, and I just saw myself in him, just you know level 10 drive, just beast mode, right? Met him at uh, an event and uh, did an interview and, he, and it just it was a good click. So we're bringing him on and we're starting kind of another niche another another market and he's gonna run that. And obviously he gets access to all of our resources, the webmasters, the traffic team. We help him, we groom him, we you know, we even bring him a copywriter. So but he's the integrator. So then I get a chance to just be the visionary in that. And so so does the, the main president of that business. So that's that's a new way that i 'm playing with growing is bringing more entrepreneurs into my businesses and and kind of giving them a, an arena that they can run that they can have fun in and do their thing
1: mm. so you you partner with a lot of people right that's that's one way that you're able to leverage yourself yeah. in some way did you have any maybe additional tips for just team building and maybe attracting the right people to partner with or even to hire uh, the right people?
2: Yeah, well, those are two very different things. So let's start with partnering. Uh, Partnering with people, you know, it's a big decision. It's essentially, it's maybe not as heavy as a marriage, but it's close. Um, So in the beginning, if if you look at, how you would choose a girl when you were in high school, your criteria is very different today because you've, you've, you've had a lot of learning experiences. So every partnership that you try, it will teach you what you want, what you don't want. But what it really comes down to in business is knowing yourself. You know, to thy own self, be true. So that's where personality tests, Like I would do as many tests as you can Briggs & Myers, Colby, disc, caliper, you know, do an IQ test. Um, You want to know where you're strong. You want to know where you're weak. You want to know what your nature is and what your nature isn't. Because it's a guaranteed recipe for disaster if you're going to try to do things that you don't enjoy doing. It's a guaranteed recipe for disaster If you're trying to do things that you hate doing, that you, you know, that's, so if you know these things, then in business, which is awesome, you can find people that that's their strengths. And that's the kind of partner you want to find. So again, one of the big things is, are you a visionary or are you an integrator? If you're a visionary, you have to have an integrator. Because if you're two visionaries, you're going to struggle. You're going to be like, on the whiteboard for weeks, and you're going to have, you know, a 50-page Google Doc with the biggest vision in the world, but nothing's going to get done, right? But if you if you have two integrators in the same room, there's nothing that's going to get done either because they don't know what to do. They're not the guys coming up with the ideas. You know, they're not they're not game planners. They're not they don't have vision. So so that's one of the biggest things is are you a visionary or are you an integrator? And find your complement. And obviously, you got to get along with personally. Um, I tend not to partner with friends and family. I think it's a it's a mistake. But I always become friends with my partners. So there's a big difference, right? So you know, if, if but sometimes it happens. I mean, you know, Wade, like you mentioned, is a good friend of mine. We were friends before we became partners. So in that case, it worked. But I don't become partners because he's a friend. That that's never happened. You know, I call what I call functional capability is the key thing, and that means are they capable of doing what it is that they're meant to be doing. So, if I partner up with someone and they're the ones that are going to handle operations, right? They're they're, they're the operations guy. If they're, if they're not an operations person, if they don't have the skill set, then it's a mistake. So, again, it goes back to thy own be true, and that goes both ways. You need to know. What their strengths and their weaknesses are. So it's a good idea to do personality tests both ways. So that's on the partner side. Um, On the employee side, you know, I've complete. I keep making the process deeper and deeper because hiring a superstar is such a big thing, and it's not easy. You're talking maybe two percent of the population is what I would call a superstar. So 98% of the people out there, you want to try to filter them out. So I have a lot of techniques, and let's use Upwork as an example. So for those of you that don't know, Upwork.com, there's hundreds of thousands of providers you can go on and hire. So the first thing that I do is I use their search engine, and I eliminate. I mean, anybody that's not four stars and up, automatically out. Then I I look at their work history, and if there's any, you know, I I look for red flags. I'm, I'm looking for red flags. Then I'll do, and I do a lot of doofus tests. So what I'm trying to do is I want them to show me that they're either a doofus or not a doofus. So this is filtering, and what I want to do is I'll send them an invitation and I really look at how they respond. And I, and I might ask a couple of questions. Again, they're doofus tests. And if they're not a good communicator or they're, if there's anything off in their communication, okay, they're gone. So that's, that's step two. Okay, I'm, I'm starting to filter. Then step three is I do more doofus tests. And I'll, and I'll set up some doofus tests. Uh, I'll give you an example we did recently for copywriting. So we wanted to hire a copywriter. So we had four simple questions. It was great. You know, this was a new evolution in our hiring process. So we created a Google form, and there was four doofus test questions they had to answer. And it, it, it eliminated 95% of the applicants. So we didn't even have to talk to them. So that was, that's the third step. Then comes the interview. The best book out there on interviewing is called Top Grading by Brad Smart. That's the book to use. If if you do nothing else, just get top grading, and follow the top grading process. It's gold. And there's there's one question they call they call it the torque, where you ask them if you know if for a reference, and then you ask them, well, if I call your reference or when I call your reference, what do you think they're going to say about you? And that question. <laughs> That question is just gold, right? Because they know you're going to call them, or they believe you're going to call them, and so they're they're a lot less apt to lie. And it's that's why it's a torque, right? Because you're really you're, you're torquing them on that. And it's it's very powerful. So that's step four, and then even with that, I'll have my operations manager do the first phase because maybe there's ten people left. So she'll interview all ten, and they, so now we're left with three. So I'll do an interview with the last three, and then we'll do them. We'll give them another doofus test, like something real, okay? Like build this web page, write this letter. Um, so with the copywriting example, we had two guys at the end, and one guy was a complete disaster. Like even after he passed all the other tests, his what he what he gave us was just was awful. So we were left with one one guy, one winner. So that's, uh, that's the process. So it, it is involved, and at this point, I have people in my businesses that do the first 90%, and then I'll come in at the end because it's too time-consuming. It's about 20 hours of work to just do that, but hiring superstars is gonna make or break you when you start scaling, and you have to go that deep. You can't, you can't cut corners. Every time we've hired out of convenience, It's bitten us in the ass hard.
1: And how about managing your team? Um, Do you guys do weekly meetings or what do you guys do in that front?
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, we follow the traction process. We always did weekly meetings uh, and I think traction's made the meetings better. So, yeah, we meet weekly and then the business will be divided into teams. So there'll be a big group meeting where Everybody in marketing will meet, and then everybody in operations will meet, and that includes the business leaders. But then, you know, if we have a Facebook team or a a cold traffic team, we'll meet on top of that as well. Especially, that's like going back to my money move. um, If that's my main thing, then I'm going to be involved. You know, I'm going to be driving on that. So. Yeah, there's, there's big meetings where everybody's involved and then there's smaller meetings if you have, again, depending on the size of your business, but if you have different little divisions, smaller teams, then yeah, meeting. And one of the books I just read, I just finished reading it a couple of days ago, is Scrum, The Art of Doing Twice as Much in Half the Time. So I'm thinking of implementing that process, which is just a five to 15 minute daily Scrum meeting. Where, you know, what did you do and what are you going to do and what was done basically is the, is the meeting. It's very quick because I find that, especially if it's a new mission, like, like I was talking about creating a new marketing funnel, i, I got to be on it daily and I want to be coordinating with all the key people d- daily. Otherwise, um, things get off track and it takes you months to figure out they're off track. So that's happened recently and i feel we, we need to upgrade that process so i think scrum's going to solve that
1: all right man well this this has been amazing uh, i could you know we've been talking for a while we've gone to, into so many different topics and i could probably go on with you for several more hours but i guess just to wrap up do you have any final tips or advice or wisdom you know you've been in business for over a decade now um, any top most important lessons that you've learned that you could share with our audience
2: yeah, yeah, absolutely. So first of all, um, I think optimization in business is one of the most important habits to build. And uh, if if it's something where you're feeling mental resistance going there, which a lot of people do for some reason, fight that because it's a lot of fun and it doesn't take and it's a it's a massive leverage point. Literally, in about thirty minutes a week max, you can be constantly growing your business. Uh, so you you know what we do is maybe thirty minutes. We come up with some different ideas, and then the webmaster sets it up, and we're done, right? So, and then you just look at the data. It might take a month to get enough data to end the test. So maybe you're coming up with one new idea a week for different parts of your of your your marketing funnel, and that's it. But that habit will probably double or triple your revenue over time, like with the same amount of traffic. So I'm not talking about getting more traffic; just the same amount of traffic, you'll double or triple your net profit. So it's probably one of the biggest habits. Second is, you know, put your standards as high as possible when it comes to the people you accept in your life as partners and as teammates. Because I'm telling you, man, the, the, the difference between B grade and A grade is it's, it's far. You know, it's like you know when Michael Jordan was making $100 million a year in his prime and the average player was making you know a million, that's the kind of difference I'm talking about in terms of the results. Over time, the gap between a superstar and a B-grade, and a B grader, you know, they'll they'll make you feel good, they'll sound good in the meanings, but when it comes down to performing, when it comes down to pressure, when it comes down to surprising you, that's one of the main things I look for. A superstar will always surprise you. So if you're not being surprised, like, 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 wow, you know, that's amazing. Like, wow, he went the extra mile. Those are the hallmarks of a superstar. If you're not experiencing that with your people, they're probably not superstars. So I think if you do nothing but raise your standards, you know, you're going to attract great people. And again, keep in mind, you know, always be trying to become more productive. It's a never ending journey. Like, you know you look at a guy like mark cuban right he's managing or he's invested in over 100 companies whatever whatever number it is so his output like you know if you look at if he spends 15 minutes on each business every 2 weeks the value of that time is amazing right so that's that's part of our journey as as business growers and as investors is continuing to make our time more and more valuable so I have it's not it's not a, a pdf man it's a it's an 84 page book uh that is a pdf that I'm, I'm giving away for free it's called triple your productivity three extra productivity and uh yeah Stefan will give you the link so make sure you click that I mean it goes into everything we talked about in far much far greater detail including how to really master your schedule and and so many other things so yeah we would have had to talk for another five six hours to cover half of what's in there
1: well, i've been through part of it it's really amazing uh i'll again i'll put a link below this video for you guys to head on over and check it out i also want to encourage you guys to head on over to matt's blog matt and when you go gone over there make sure to read his story because i read your story maybe two weeks ago and it was really fascinating i learned a lot about you and uh you're just a really good writer. You know, you're very skilled and that's um, you know one of your, your top skill sets that you have. Um, so, man, I want to thank you again so much for uh, taking the time today and I think this will really help and benefit a lot of people. So, thank you.
2: Yeah, thanks, uh, thanks to you and thanks to everybody who, who listened through. And, uh, yeah, man, just come over to the blog. It's all kinds of fun stuff, uh, all kinds of things to improve the quality of your life. So, take, come on over and enjoy the show.
1: Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Project Life Mastery podcast. Make sure to visit the blog at www.projectlifemastery.com for more videos, podcasts, and articles that can help you take your life to the next level.